Okay, we're recording. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Snap No Tap podcast. I'm one of the hosts here. I'm Tony Cicchini, and we'll let the guys introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Joe Cardinal. Nico Indovina. And we're basically, and I want to call him Nico Toscani so much, you know, from the movie. It really is. I mean, you know, even the resemblance to Segal is staggering. (laughs) Now, basically what this is, is we just talk about random things. We do try to keep a focus, of course, on, you know, martial arts and sports and life in general, since this world is upside down currently. And uh, we just kind of keep it fun, lighthearted. We're all... uh, doing this uh, obviously from different locations and then it's probably not even because of the of the covid but it's just you know pretty uh convenient for all of us so how was your guys week good yeah i got out i got some workouts i've been riding my bike some so taking advantage of the the nice weather while we got it um trying to keep my weight in control i'm still eating way too much now you look fine you need to shave though you know, you're starting to look like, uh, you know, well, maybe you're trying to do the Santa Claus thing, right? You know, Christmas is coming up in a few months, you know. No, you look fit. You're not, you're not uh, you're, you're, your weight's okay. I mean, I'm feeling good. Some of my injuries have been doing better. So I've got like an issue with one of my elbows and one of my knees, but I think some of the time off actually has helped a little bit, helped some recovery. I mean, my knee, I still have to be careful with. I think that's like a permanent thing until I get a doctor to look at it. Um, but, you know, sometimes with our wrist locks and stuff, I'll, my, I have this reoccurring thing with my elbow that, you know, like it'll, it'll hurt if I clench my fist, you know, down by my elbow or if I rotate too much. Uh, so that definitely holds back some of my upper body training. But uh, lately I've been working back. I have this wrap that I use on my elbow and I've been able to do, you know, pull-ups and I'm getting my numbers back with that and stuff like that. So I've been, I'm feeling happy about that, that my upper body's now kind of getting back into uh, standard mode. Good. Yeah, I've been um, feeling a lot better as well with the time off. Uh, my shoulder, I used to wake up in the morning and I could barely even lift my arm. My shoulder was so inflamed. And I haven't been training, haven't been lifting weights. And uh, my shoulder feels like a brand new shoulder. Fantastic. So the only workout I've been doing is I have, uh, Tony, you know what the chest expander is? It's like the, the cables? rubber bands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I got that, and I just put it around my back, and I do a bunch of push-ups. And then I wrap it around the bottom of the door. I hook my feet onto it, and I do pull-ups. So I got, like, extra resistance. And that's basically it. It's pretty simple, but it's a good workout. Yeah, I still got my things. Now I got this neck thing by my trapezius, and it makes my arm go numb. And I actually think it's uh, – probably from my pillows, but, you know, I'm sure through the years, you know, you get old, you get all these things that we've done. I got injuries, but, you know, I was scheduled to see, you know, my, my chiropractor friend and, you know, then he passes away and, you know, just, uh, you know, things are the way they are, but um, at least with my neck, it doesn't affect me when I sleep, when I lay down or something, it's fine. But when I sit up, like right now, it's, it's, you know, aching me. Um, When I turn my neck like this, I get uh, shooting, uh, electrical you know shooting a numbness yeah, through my arm it's a nerve it's a pin, it's a pinch nerve i'm not you know it'll take care of itself in time but yeah it's um 
uh, you need to get, I need to get out there and cut that grass, but it isn't going to happen today. It's just, it's too hot yesterday, today. But, uh, yeah, so it's uh, been quite interesting for those of you that don't know Chicago kind of rolled back more, uh, Friday, uh, well actually midnight, uh, Thursday night, 12.01 AM Friday morning, I guess to be technical, uh, bars, uh, certain with certain license restrictions and, things with the gyms and you can't get facials anymore and so on. And I think it's a matter of time before the state will probably roll back. But then um, I guess this is happening all over. So once again, like I mentioned in the last podcast, we I've been offering that distance learning program for well over a decade, 12, 13 years, video learn from wherever people have trained from all parts of the country and world. I've had them come from Europe, Asia, you name it. Um, and I, you know, it's the tri C program. And every year I keep saying, this is it. I'm done at the end of the year. I'm not going to do it anymore. Well, now this is, this is important. I think I, I can only limit it to a few, few people. So maybe three or four people this year, I would highly suggest you sign up for it. Uh, look on my webpage, tri C program. You will see that it's to me, the, I know it was the first of its kind, but I still think it's the only one of its kind where I, I make every lesson specific for you, for you and you alone um, and your training partner. And, uh, you know, it also includes training here in Chicago if you ever make the trip out and um, it's lifetime training. So you can't beat it just, you know, uh, I know Joe and well, you, Nico, actually, you were talking about since you're planning on moving that you may have to end up switching to doing a distance learning thing here right yeah via yes, video sir. or whatever yeah you got to do what you have to do sometimes life in in general just you know crops up and you either have to pause your training or you know things things change um i i look back to a lot of the students that i had 20 some years ago and how they moved away or they were young then they got married started a family like Joe and uh, you know, it, uh, you know, you have gaps in your training. Sometimes it lasts years, the gaps, sometimes it's not as long, but um, yeah, I used to through the years talk about how to train on your own. Cause I didn't always have workout partners, you know, um, it was very difficult back in the seventies and eighties, especially even in the nineties to get training partners and then once the ufc kind of kicked in and people still didn't want to want to train because what i do is a lot rougher than what they were used to so yeah you can't you got to find you got to find a way like you're doing today or you mentioned today nico with the cables and you're you know modifying your exercise programs that's awesome have you seen these uh grappling dummies that they're selling they're not, not the new ones i mean i've seen them years ago but um, yeah, which which ones are you talking about? Like throwing dummies or? No, so these are. I mean, they they look similar to them. Like throwing dummies that, that I've seen, they're kind of like their torso and legs are solid. Like they'll have maybe some arms sticking out of them, but really it's for right. you to, almost like a heavy bag to pick up and and you know toss. Uh, but these these actually have. I don't know if they're fully articulated, but they have arms and legs and feet, and basically it's kind of. I mean, you see videos of guys just kind of drilling their moves on them. Obviously, it's. Uh, you know, it's nothing like a live person. Exactly. But, you know, but it's like, 
I think there's probably some value because like I notice myself when I'm grappling, like I'll get into a certain position, you know, like a certain pin. And there is a moment of like, okay, what do I do here? What are my options? And I think if you just drill like, okay, I'm cross chest. Now I've got the top wrist lock, you know, you can kind of simulate the motions and go through them, try and make a muscle memory, you know, because a lot of times it, like Tony says, even, even in these days, it's hard to find someone who's, you know, it, with schedules or whatnot, who's just going to, Hey, let's just, you know, we're, we're not going to go to class, but let's just drill through some stuff that we worked on last week or whatever. So the dummy is just kind of, it's an interesting way to kind of, at least uh, offensively kind of, and also you can like strike it. So like, you know, when we do our top wrist lock, we're always, we're trying to drill to hit that elbow on the face as we go for it. Well, that's really hard to drill with a person, but this one you could go full out, you know, you know, kind of almost like I said, a heavy bag where you can grab the hand and, and really try and practice smashing the face as you go in for that top wrist lock, things like that. So I saw it and I, um, I've done similar things. I've made makeshift stuff. <laughs> like I've actually had like pillows and stuff where I'll practice because yeah, mostly there's, you know, if my kids are here, actually my boys will, you know, practice, but mostly they just, you know, they have a life and they want to go off. It's not their main focus. So it, even when you have people who are willing, it's hard to find time, you know? Um, and especially in times like this one, there's no class or school to go to. Um, yeah, I think we're just kind of in a day and age where it is hard to get motivation. So have you seen any of those dummies or anything? I see them selling them. Well, this is not a new concept because many years ago, somebody wanted me to endorse their grappling dummy, but they never sent me one so I could check it out and endorse it. You know, I'm not going to endorse something that I never even saw in person. So I, I don't need, I don't follow that, um, so, so I can't endorse it or not endorse it. I'll, all I can probably is just echo your statements, you know, where, you know, it's probably better than nothing, but I would be interested because what we do is so uh, different than a judo or jujitsu application where we're constantly twisting and putting, we're contorting these things in different ways. I don't know if, if they're capable of, of moving like that. Um, no, and that would not. be, yeah, they're not, yeah, then that would no, be, a, I mean, the ones that I've used, uh, I've used the ones that have like limbs and um, yeah. basically where the knees are bent, where you could practice like guard positions, but it's nothing like using a, a real human being. I mean, the, the limbs don't have joints really. And yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess the only benefit is you, like he said, you could practice things full blast. Like if you want to practice, practice a top wrist lock and really sit through and crank it full speed, you could do that. But it's very hard to really get the right mechanics when the body is just like, you know, there's no real joints to it. So gotcha. you really need a real person to practice to refine your technique. Well, everybody's situation is different. So, yeah, if you know best, you've actually worked with one. But, yeah, I've heard other people tell me uh, it's it's okay. You know, it's it's not like, you know, a, a human. But, but but you know, give give it a shot. I mean, I guess. I, I think who, there could be value to using it as like a conditioning tool. Like, let's say, you know, you want to just work your past, past guard and – Go to go to half guards. Go to go to mo go to mount, and you know, just kind of move around like really quickly, and practice your stuff under time and pressure. I, I guess you could, you could use it for conditioning. There you go. But for those of you who cannot afford that, or 
whatever, don't want it, you know, just even a little heavy bag, a regular heavy bag that you can yeah. get at a play it again sports, you know, used for 20 bucks, 30 bucks. You can, you know, at least practice your elbows and your head butts and your strikes on it and uh, move it around or, you know, put your pressure rides and, and things like that, learning to use your hips and stuff. You can be creative. You got to use some ingenuity. You have to use your imagination and, um, you know, you can you can really remember there were a lot of very fit 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 human beings throughout the world world's history here that didn't have all the luxuries of the equipment that we have now you know and they they managed to um become well-conditioned athletes uh so yeah when there's a when there's a will there's a way i guess um because when i was what I was just going to say, I was, you mentioned played again uh, sports. I was actually surprised. So when Ben came back, he's like, we should get a barbell for the house. We went there. They were totally out because everybody's gym is closed. Ah. So everybody cleared, they're cleared out of all their gear, a lot of their workout equipment. And because of a lot of the trade stuff, because a lot of that stuff comes from China now, unfortunately. So there's like, because of the trade wars too, we're probably not seeing stuff. To, to come back and see us in the fall, they said. But they were cleared out. I couldn't find a kettlebell. A barbell, nothing. That's unfortunate. Um, Yeah, I, you know, again, I lost all my equipment when my gym closed, you know, which was unfortunate and illegal, actually. But we're not going to go there, go there. But yeah, I, um, yeah. So I was going to mention, like, when I was a kid, I didn't have access to all of that. I eventually saved up money and got a weight set, but I had a, Oh, what do you call it? A duffel bag that my grandfather got at the Army Navy surplus store. And when I was real young, we just filled it with towels and rags and things like that. And that was my first heavy bag until I was, you know, a little bit older so I could do side jobs like, you know, cutting grass or shoveling snow or something and save up to get a real heavy bag. And, um, you know, uh, it's funny. And I don't want to get into everything, but when I moved to Chicago, we talked about this, how I lost pretty much all my possessions, but I still had like a couple of things um, back in my, at my home in Cleveland. And one of them was, was my, was that heavy bag that I bought years and years ago. And you know, I still have that to this day. It's all taped up with a duct tape all the way around it. We were using it as a throw dummy, but it's, it's actually sitting in my basement right now. So that's probably the only thing that I can think of. Maybe I'm not, I could be wrong, but that's probably the only childhood thing I have left. Um, you know, and now like I found out, I told you guys a couple months ago that they tore my house down in Cleveland that I was raised in. Um, and that's sad. So <laughs> it, it bothers me, you know, it kind of does. I mean, and that kind of does. It bothers me to have my house torn down figures though. My uh, house is still there in the city, Chicago, but it's, it, it looks so different. It's, it's not my house. You know, I look at it and I'm like, I know it's the location, but they've changed enough of the, the way they painted it and the way they, they did, like they planted stuff. It's just, yeah, it's not the same, you know, and the same with the neighborhood, the whole neighborhood's changed, you know, like I recognize it, but it's not, it, it's not familiar to me. You know, there's only like vestiges of what it used to be. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> That's, I mean, unless you live probably way out rural somewhere, you know, where things tend to not change, you know, that's going to be the case in the city, especially like, you know, inner city, like where you're from or where I'm from, even Nico. I think Berwyn, Cicero area has kind of stayed. I it's mean, pretty I'm, much the same. I mean, yeah. maybe it's gotten a little bit worse, but from when I grew up, it's 
about the same. Uh, my dad still lives in the same house that I grew up in in Berwyn, and he's been saying since we since I was a kid that he's gonna get out of there. We're gonna move somewhere else. <laughs> still saying it, but you know, I, I don't see it happening. Well, don't don't forget, I got like twenty years on you or something like that too. So <laughs> maybe in twenty twenty years, your neighborhood will change. I it it doesn't, you know. Um, yeah, what are you gonna do? You know, but uh, yeah, th- just things things do change. People pass away, businesses close up. Um, you know, it's part of an evolution, right? So, yeah, I, I've heard story. I mean, think about. I know people who are obviously older than me. You know. I'm not that old that I'm like a centurion here, but um, I've known people older than me who I can't even imagine all the changes that they've seen in their life. You know, um, people who are in their eighties and, and whatnot and talk to me, you know, so they got almost 30 years on me uh, and they have uh, lots of changes. So, but you know, we were, Joe kind of wanted to ask a question earlier about like with the self-defense thing, and how, you know, because of the way life is now, maybe self-defense is important. And, one, and without getting into too many details, the one thing I do want to mention is if any of you are reading or seeing uh, videos or, uh, you know, just reading articles about, you know, people who uh, defended themselves with, you know, like maybe they're a martial artist or mixed martial artist and stuff, and they defended themselves, that's a good read, but read more into it. Read also about the perpetrator okay because this is very important i just read an article recently about uh some uh, martial art guy mma guy that defended himself and it's you know i guess with a with a gun kind of situation and upon further reading you know um the mma guy was like 250 pounds and the perpetrator was like 140 you know that kind of changes the dynamics here um i don't ever remember being attacked by somebody who was smaller than me. I was always a thin, thinner person. And even when I got to be a full grown adult, it seems like because of my size, I always got attacked either by multiple guys or guys who are literally bigger than me. Um, And that kind of changes the dynamics. So for some people out there, you know, read everything, you know, do your research and um, you know, self-defense to me has always been the most important thing there is uh when it comes to this and it's uh you know i know it's been turned into a sport uh and a lot of people enjoy doing that sport and that's fine who's to say you can't do a sport and enjoy it if you enjoy it do it but just remember that the self-defense aspect is a separate entity and um you know it just was it's just uh you know to me the pinnacle of of why I do this. Um, it was the only reason I got into it. And it's the only reason I kept up with it. And um, yeah, so that's my, my little thing on it. But uh, so, yeah. So Joe, what's your plans uh, this week? Anything going on in your life that we should know about? Well, I'm still trying to get ready for a vacation. Uh, a lot of things obviously have changed. So uh, I plan to take some time off uh, mid, you know, August from work. And I thought, you know, I was going to go somewhere Well, that's all shut down. So I'm still kind of in, in planning mode as to how August is going to look for me. I mean, I do work, you know, so I've got, uh, and that keeps changing too. I think so like, uh, work keeps trying to have us come back in and, 
you know, like my level the management will be like, Oh yeah, by September, we're going to kind of be back to our normal. And then two days later, the senior leadership says, Nope, that's not how it's going to be. You know, they keep, so it's a lot of a uh, stop and go, you know, uh, mixed messages. It's really hard to get consistent plans together because you don't know. I mean, so a lot of it is kind of uh, trying to be flexible and dynamic, you know, like, um, but it's the last word we got now is it looks like to the end of calendar year, at least people who can work from home, they're saying, yeah, just work from home at this point. So that'll be you. Well, no, unfortunately. So like my job, um, well, it's mixed because in some ways I actually do appreciate the change of scenery, even though there's some risk involved now with me heading like, you know, taking public transportation and heading in basically into downtown, you know, really dense populated area. Um, but because my job actually involves some physical stuff, it's not all, you know, I work in computers, so, but it's not all like programming and things that can be done remote. There's actual hardware and, and cabling that I have to do. So my team rotates. So there's like certain days a week, you know, and if something were to break physically, they need someone to respond rapidly. So, you know, it would take me 40 minutes to drive into the city, you know, uh, if there's no traffic. Uh, so they need someone who's kind of on site. So at least once, you know, if not more, uh, and especially because a lot of the work we do, sometimes it's like we need you downtown regardless. So other teams are 100% remote, uh, but my specific team with what we do, uh, we rotate through. So, and some guys are there almost, you know, uh, full time because the, the projects require them to. So it's really kind of a mix um, uh, for my group. So Nico, you're still doing uh, cement, right? Are you, you guys still busy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've been super busy doing probably like 60 plus hours a week. Um, but yeah, I just, I just seen, I don't know if this is true that did they make it mandatory if you go to, from Wisconsin to quarantine, if you go back to Illinois? I, well, first let me interge- interject because I'm up on that stuff. I, they were planning on doing Wisconsin, but that was only if you were going from Wisconsin to Chicago specifically. Uh, Chicago has like 17 states. The most recent one this week was Kansas that was added to the list. Um, but they did mention that because things are so lax in Wisconsin and the cases are spiking up there um, that they were going to, that Wisconsin was going to probably be the next state. But again, that was for, to isolate uh, our, uh, uh, you know, what you, the word you just said, what do you call it? Uh, Quarantine, quarantine uh, for the city of Chicago. And that makes sense because there's almost 2.7 million people in Chicago. Uh, so that's where, you know, you don't need an epidemic starting right there in Chicago. The, the, you know, that's the scary, uh, that's the thing what I think a lot of people don't see. Downstate Illinois, there's, you know, it's sparse, uh, rural. So what about like if, if you go from Wisconsin to a suburb of Chicago, does, does that mean they're, they have to get quarantined? That would depend on the inst- uh, the 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 sub- suburb. Um, right now, as I mentioned, the only city that I am aware of is Chicago itself that is instituting the okay. um, quarantine. But there's the problem: if you live in Norwich, which is literally on the corner of Chicago, <clears throat> yeah, it's and you do all your shopping in Chicago and you blah 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 in Chicago. Um, well, then. There's no yeah, point. There's yeah. no point. There's no so, point to that quarantine. Right. Everybody has to be on the same page. Everybody. You know, that's that's the problem that we initially, uh, you know, when this all started, um, 
There was places shutting down. There was places staying open. There was places requiring a mask. There was places who didn't. It's it's a hodgepodge. But um, are you are you going to be working up in Wisconsin? Is that what you ask? Oh well, we were supposed to have a job in Wisconsin. Um, but I, the reason why I'm wondering is because if they do Wisconsin, Indiana is more than likely going to be next. So I'm actually thinking ahead for that. You know, I'm going to try to get a spot in Indiana just in case because uh, I drive to, from Indiana to Illinois every day. So if they do that, there's going to be – a lot of people are going to have problems. For pretty much everyone that lives in the area that, that I live in are somehow working or connected to Chicago somehow. Chicago or just the south suburbs? Uh, Chicago and the suburbs. And, okay. You know, the, just the Chicagoland area. Yeah, yeah, which is nine million people when you think about it. Um, something close to that, you know. It's a hey, we're the third largest city in America, so um, Chicago has to, uh, you know, it's like New York, L.A., Chicago, and then Houston's right on the tail there, you know, with population wise. So um, I think that sometimes gets lost to some people um, that live, you know, out of out of Illinois or just away from a large city. They they don't understand that you know. Chicago has a population larger than some states, you know, or the greater Chicagoland area has population larger than many states. It's, you know, that's scary. Yeah, we never really got it like New York City did. I mean, they really got decimated the early months of this, you know, but I don't think, I mean, as much as we've had cases or whatnot, we've, we've been fortunate enough not to have it, you know, run wild yet. So, um, you know, I know it's been tense, touch and go, but, uh, yeah, it still could. 7,000 deaths, I think, in the state of Illinois. I didn't keep up with it this week. Um, I've kind of been uh, sidetracked this past week. But, you know, that's, um, yeah. Well, you know, got to take – yeah, it's it's a difficult situation because, yeah, America's not on the same page, you know, with, with other – you know, we're, we're split on this. People are split. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's a difficult, it's a touchy subject with some people, you know? Well, I do hope we as a country, when we come away from this, that at least one of the things that'll come out of this is that we'll have a plan. I mean, it's just like anytime we get caught with our pants down, like nine eleven. uh, there's a, you know, at least we learn from the mistakes. That's, that would be the real, well, an, an additional tragedy to this is that if we don't, you know, if we're not prepared for another event or trying to preventing one, because there's definitely, obviously, um, you know, we never really had a dress rehearsal for this. It was just live. Here you are. You've got the infection, but we should have seen it coming. You know, we had, you know, obviously there was SARS and other things. And we, it's just, it was the same thing. Like I said, I feel so similar with the terrorism thing where it was always somewhere else, you know, and we never kept our guard up. You know, we assume that, and this is maybe kind of ties in with personal self-defense too, you know, like you always, I think it's natural to kind of uh, procrastinate or assume it's not going to happen to you. You know, you just get in this kind of frame of mind that like, oh, well, you know, I should take care of this at some point or, and then, and then unfortunately you get, you you learn the hard way. And I think our country is learning the hard way, you know, I mean, there's some basic things that a country should have going. And this is one of those, you know. But again, when was the last time we were hit? I mean, it's not in anybody's lifetime, right? A hundred years ago, we had a pandemic come through and it just seemed like ancient history. 
you know, and I, th I think it's like anything is you think, well, this is different now. We have modern medicine, blah, blah, blah. But it's funny. It, it, just, it was always in the realm of fiction. Like there's all these movies, these pandemic movies, right? And zombie movies. And I'm like, what would it be like if, if something spread through the, but it was never, oh, this could really, really happen. I think people the, the just. In, the uh, Andromeda strain, that movie. <laughs> that was a good movie. Yeah, I remember. I remember the name of it. But yeah, it just was always in the realm of almost science fiction, you know, and so I do hope that we come away, you know, like agnostically, independent of politics, I think everybody would agree, yeah, we need a smarter plan for this, because I, uh, yeah, learn, lessons learned, like kind of have a, like, you know, pardon the phrase, but a postmortem, what went wrong here, what could we have done better, you know, um, we really need these plans in place. You know, I still hear air warning signs or like sirens go off and stuff. You know, we need something like that. You know, uh, it just. Oh, I've I've read people bitching about the, you know, the what is it called now? The EBS uh, emergency broadcast system. They they complain about that. Uh, it, you know, some of these people just they're they're so caught up in thinking that anything that is asked of us is unconstitutional you're taking my freedoms away it's, there's limits to that that's sometimes you get you know to the point where you're no longer rationally thinking you know um to have a you know a, an ebs warning on on your television set uh or or over the radio uh every now and then is not a bad i mean this is t 15 seconds 20 seconds out of your life is that too much to ask to make sure that, you know, you're not going to get hit with a tornado or, you know, something like that. I, I don't, I don't get it. Um, it just irks me because back in the days of World War II, from what my grandparents told me and all the old timers in the neighborhood growing up, boy, this country rallied together, uh, you know, rations, um, shortages. And, you know, think about Europe when it was lights out after a certain hour when they were getting, you know, London and places like that were getting bombed. And, and, you know, all, all, all places, you know, different, I don't want to just single out one country, but all the countries that were getting bombed, you know, um, think of the sacrifices those people had to make, you know. Um, so some of this is, is, is maybe a temporary inconvenience. Look at the 50s. You guys are too young. Well, I am too, for that reason, matter. But I remember the people saying about the fallout shelters and the duck and cover drills and all of that jazz that people went through. Maybe they weren't effective, but I mean, you know, we, they did it, right? But yeah, I think I think part of that is just thinking and planning ahead, like like Joe was saying. Everybody, too many people have normalcy bias. They think that can never happen to us. We're American. All oh, that'll that'll never happen. Well, it it just did happen. We just did get hit with a bio weapon. So anything could happen. People didn't think World War II was going to happen. And, and now people think, oh, China would never attack us. That can never happen. We're Americans. Trump, Trump would uh, nuke the whole world. Oh, this can happen. We need to, everybody needs to think ahead of, of the worst case scenario and kind of plan for it because it definitely can happen. Oh, yeah. And that's same with I used to tell people all the time about self-defense they would say like, well, I live in a nice neighborhood or I live in a safe neighborhood. The minute you're attacked and your life is in jeopardy, there's no place on the face of the earth that's more deadly and dangerous than the place you're in right at that moment. You know, 
if there's a gun drawn or a weapon or of, of some sort or multiple assailants, your life is now potentially uh, coming to an end if you don't know how to react properly. So, yeah, you cannot be complacent. Every place you go could become the most deadly and dangerous place on planet Earth, you know? Um, and until people start to rationalize that and, and internalize that and realize, um, you know, that they could be put in harm's way, uh, it's not a good thing. Yeah, and it's, it's a base human condition, right? I mean, unfortunately, conflict is a part of life, you know? And unfortunately, sometimes it's physical. And uh, yeah, it's hard to get that frame of mind saying, always staying alert. You know, it's, it's nice. It's much easier to let your guard down, um, you know, in some ways. And I don't know like what you do, T Tony, but like sometimes I try to make a game of it, even though generally I feel pretty safe where I live and work. Um, I, well, it, randomly, you know, like I said, on, on public transportation, someone will get on that's, you know, definitely, you know, they're not in their right frame of mind. They're either really drunk or, you know, they're, they seem off. They're talking to themselves or a little bit. And all of a sudden, you know, something that's this kind of like this bubble has burst and I have to start planning. Okay. What do I do if this escalates? You know, I have to start thinking these things through, but even when there's, when I'm safe, like I try to make a little game of it cause I'm very introverted. So I, I a lot of times one of my, uh, uh, risk factors is that I tend to be lost in my thoughts, you know, and I think someone could get up, sneak up on me fairly quickly if I'm not paying attention, you know. Uh, so like I try to get outside of myself and say, okay, I'm going to just make sure I can try and see someone like if I'm always trying to look out to see if someone I know is around me, like just a friend or acquaintance before they see me, you know, or I'll say, let's see what's, let's see what's the weirdest thing that someone's holding in their hands. You know, are they holding a, an umbrella or a phone? Because we're always supposed to be watching people's hands, you know, to see, are they carrying a weapon? Are they reaching for something? So I try to always make, even in a scenario where I might be safe, I try to like drill a habit of it, I suppose. Well, you're being vigilant, which is what we should be. Um, but, you know, you need to expand on that and not just watch their hands. Uh, look, look at their clothing, look for anything like maybe a bulge or a something that doesn't look normal, um, which could indicate that perhaps they have some sort of a, a, a weapon. Um, and you need to really, like you said, if you want to use a term, make a game out of it. Um, if you're on public transportation a lot, uh, you know, make sure that you put yourself in a position where nobody can sneak up behind you, Right. There's nothing wrong with being lost in your thoughts, but you can't be, you can't do that for an extended period of time. I see a lot of people with the earbuds listening to their music and, you know, just oblivious to the outside world. I would see that when I'm at the gym, you know, before all this, you know, shutdown stuff. And I, I'm waiting for the machine. They're just standing there and I'm trying to talk to them. They don't hear a word I'm saying because they got these damn earbuds on, you know? Um, so yeah, you, you know, Look at people, and the the more you do this, the quicker you you the quicker you can become at, at assessing someone. Okay, so basically, ver visually glance at them up and down, like everyone. Let's say that would come on at the next stop, and do this for like a couple of weeks, right? Two, three weeks. Every time the doors open, look, and you'll you'll be surprised at how quickly you can start to see things. Right. Another thing that I I suggest that all you guys do is pick 
like a person that's going to come on board and look them over for 10 seconds. Just think it out or count it out. Uh, and then forget about that person. And then um, maybe let two minutes go by, three minutes go by and look for that person and see if everything you thought in your mind was correct. Did you get the right hair color? Were they or were they not wearing glasses? What color shirt did they have? If it was a woman, was, was she carrying a purse? What color was her purse? See how, many, see how much of those details um, you can remember because this is going to come in handy, you know, if need be, um, you know, for not just identification purposes, but, you know, you want to be able to remember, oh, shit, is this, this guy now, this guy that just jumped up and he's starting shit, like you said, the guy was talking to himself. Was this the guy that I saw that, that, that I thought he might have had an umbrella and now that I don't see it, but maybe it's sitting on his seat or, or whatever. You've got to be very alert. You've got to be very um, – you, you have to see this stuff and analyze and then retain that. And that's the key. Uh, so many of us are dismissive. We see something, it goes into the front of our brains. It stays there for like, you know, 15, 20 seconds, and then it's forgotten. You need to get it into the back of your brain where it's like long-term memory. I'm serious. I'm not joking. Yeah, that, that's something I got to work out. My, my short-term memory is completely shot. So a lot of the times I, I don't remember details like that. Um, but when I was, when I was in going to high school, it was kind of, it was pretty rough. I mean, it, there was cops, full-time cops that worked at my high school, patrolling hallways and stuff. There was a fight. Usually every day there was some kind of gang fight. And at least every week there was some kind of stabbing. And, uh, people would make knives and shanks out of all kinds of stuff. They would take pencils, sharpen, roll them up, put a bunch of rubber bands. So it was kind of like prison fights. A lot of times, the kids, we had these big locks for our lockers, and these were always used as weapons. People would get their heads busted open, be blood everywhere. So I guess, it, like, me growing up in that kind of environment and in school, I developed a sense of intuition where I could sense – things were going to happen before they actually happened. And I, I learned how to get out of Dodge. Um, but as far as like analyzing the situation or remembering specific details of like people's, the color of their shirt and stuff like that, I really need to work on that. You know how you can practice that? Like it's so easy nowadays. Just, um, I don't know, go to a random YouTube video, not on martial arts or anything. That's probably not what you want, but just like go to a random YouTube video where, you know, one or two people are talking to each other, like an interview or something and watch 10 or 15 seconds of it. Then go away from it, you know, switch the channel, <laughs> come back three minutes later, replay that scene. See if you got everything right. What color shirt did he have on? You know, like with you, there's a string in the background of lights. There's the, He's got a mouthpiece of a microphone. He doesn't have a, a desktop microphone. Just practice this every day. You know, you can do this for like five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day. No big deal. See how much you recall. Um, with you, Joe, I mean, Nico just said he had that intuition and he got out of Dodge. With you being on, a bu uh, on the train, you, you're not going to be able to get out of Dodge, right? You're going to be pretty much stuck on that yeah. train. So, um, you know, you were, you were going to have to do thinking, you know, in a different way. Okay. You're going to have to, um, 
look where the where the emergency if there's like an emergency brake or some shit like that that you can pull on you know to get a conductor's attention or hopefully there should be of course maybe not now with there's not a lot of a lot of people on the trains but hopefully there's a plain clothes or soft clothes police officer or transit police uh on board uh just to get someone's attention but you know you gotta um you gotta do this you gotta be you know cognizant that that these are things that you have to have to look at you know i mean it's, it's up to you joe uh and it would be up to nico i i can't tell nico how he would have handled it in his school because i wasn't in his school i didn't visually see it i'm not on the trains with you so um i don't i don't i can't give you some specific advice right now but um remember years ago i was going to do that video on how to defend yourself on buses and trains and that turned out to be a little more difficult than I foresaw because I couldn't get cooperation from the transit authority to do this. Um, and uh, that kind of bothered me because I really wanted to do a video on that. Um, grappling for the most ground fighting, I should be specific, is pretty much out the door. You don't even want to think about that. So you have to have much better fighting skills, uh, you know, or I should say better, but much more, you know, be more well-rounded. Um, and maybe it's something I can still do, you know, down the line. Um, I thought I had an in once with somebody who was, um, worked for a school bus district. And I thought maybe something could happen, you know, just, we could utilize a school bus. It, it, you know, it's almost the same as a public transportation thing. It's not quite, but good enough. But again, everything, everything seems to fall through when you have to rely on other people. Sometimes it's, it's, it's really difficult to get things done. But um, there's a lot of, you know, everywhere we go, you know this, everywhere we go, we could be potentially marked as uh, a target, right? And we do, want, we do not want to become a victim. Um, you don't want to have that word in your vocabulary. But, uh, you know, you guys, well, all three of us now are not really in the war zone, so to speak, uh, the active war zone, but yet... I know where I'm living now, there's a bunch of, uh, oh, what's the kind of word I'm looking for? The, there's people here that are, well, they're just not necessarily looking looking for trouble, but they're all, it, it's a different mindset where I'm at now. And you cannot sit here and think nothing's going to happen to you because something can happen to you. So I'm prepared, but in a different way than I would be in an urban setting. Well, even in nice neighborhoods, I mean, you're never going to escape assholes completely. Someone who's angry or bitter or mental illness, you know, yeah. I mean, I've seen it in, yeah, the best neighborhoods are, you know, little fender bender. Things can go very quickly escalating, you know. Um, yeah, I've just seen it all the time. You know, it, it, uh, it's, it's an it's a important reminder that it really could happen anywhere. And it's not, I mean, it's, in some ways, it's, it's like a, you need to have a little bit of a healthy paranoia, but just be in that mental habit. Um, I was going to go back because we mentioned the cell phones and the earbuds before. I, I that really needs to be stressed. I and you just miss out on stuff too. I uh, this is not self defense related, but it's just kind of a it goes to show you a story. I was walking back from the metro station to uh, to my house. I have it like a couple block walk, and um, out here it's a little bit more natural. You know, like I'm seeing foxes all the time and stuff. So we have a lot of wildlife. But anyways, it was it was raining a little bit, but. Um, I was just walking on the street and 
right at, I would say, eye level across the street, um, this hawk came swooping around the corner of this block and walked. And there was a woman on that side of the street. So I'm on the other side of the street. And it went right past her head. And she had her phone and she never saw it. She was looking at her phone, walking forward. And I, I'd never been that close to it, like a bird of prey. It was, it was super cool. It flipped around and she totally missed it. You know, whatever. Now, granted, it was raining. So you tend, you tend to hunker down a little bit. But she was also had her phone in her hand. You know, and I, I have pictures somewhere because it ended up landing like on a tree in that block, you know. And so I ran back and was taking pictures because I was like, oh, no one's going to believe this. But it was, it was, she missed out on actually something that was kind of awesome, you know. And it just shows, I think, if anything, things have gotten worse with technology now, where it's way too easy to shut off your ears and eyes and your, just your, your awareness uh, to get lost yeah. in that. I, I know some municipalities now will give you a ticket if they see you, like if you're, you can't be on your cell phone when you're crossing the street and things like that in a side, oh, really? in, a, in a crosswalk. Yeah, which should be because, you know, a lot of times people just don't pay attention as pedestrians, you know, um, or cyclists even. They're another one um, that, that go through stop signs and red lights and everything. They don't care. Um, many of them, not all of them. I'm a cyclist, but, you know, they get me. Uh, but yeah, you, you, you have to keep your wits about you. All right. Yeah. You got to know where you're at. Remember when we were kids, look both ways before you cross the street and other things like that. You know, yeah, you're right. You have a bunch of distraction now. And um, yeah, I, you know, it, it, it bothers me, you know, it really does. It, 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 it absolutely bothers me. Yeah. So it's, that seems like the, the first priority is be alert and aware you know, which most people are not because they're on their cell phones. Be alert and aware, even if you're not on your cell phone. Just don't be daydreaming all the time. Know your surroundings. Look for entrances. Look for exits. Look for potential weapons that other people may be able to use. Look for other people, okay? Um, that, and again, I've always said this, assume everyone else is going to be against you. Um, so, you know, uh, I don't like a crowd. You know, I don't need you know, if there's a bad guy in the crowd, I want everybody to dissipate so I can take them out. I don't need other people interfering and perhaps creating a, uh, a bigger issue. And then also, I don't know if this man would have any uh, associates, you know, and affiliates in this crowd. You don't know. And when I mean a crowd, not necessarily even on a bus or a train, but could be in a Walmart, could be at a restaurant, could be at a bar, you know, could be wherever, movie theater. You don't know, especially if this isn't like your neighborhood and, you know, you walk into a place. And yesterday, Joe stopped by and we went out for a pizza. And one of the things when we sat down, I was looking around. And I just told Joe, I said, I'm just looking to see if there's anybody here I know. You know, I, I do that. I want to see, hey, who's here? Uh, you know, if there's someone there that I know or are these all strangers, you know, and then I look to see, are they grouped? Is there three or four people in a, in a group? Is there just a bunch of single people, you know, by themselves or is it couples? It doesn't take long to do this. You just glance around and you, you know, you, you make a mental note of this in case, in case something happens, especially nowadays with everybody getting ticked off about, you know, especially out here where I live, they don't want to wear a mask. And if, if the place forces you to wear a mask and they come in there, you know, and you, we, we see, and read about incidents where people are just going off. Uh, you know, you, you've got to know where you stand, you know? Uh, but I've always felt this way. You know, I've always been hyper alert. 
I've, I've been told this for years and years. Um, and I'm a creature of habit. I tend to like to sit in the same spots. If I go to a place frequently, I like to be in the same spot, a spot that I feel gives me an advantage in, in a, a crisis situation. And I like to know who's on my side and, you know, uh, and who, 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 uh, you know, won't be. Um, and that's if I'm a regular. Okay. Obviously if I've never been there before, I'm assuming everybody is against me, you know, kind of negative take on it, but Hey, and if somebody does stick up for me, that's good. But um, when you're a regular, you want to know if things go down, you know, can I count on, let's say the, the, the hostess or the manager to, to back me up and call the police or, you know, whatever. These are just things that this is how I live, you know. You know, you mentioned being a creature of habit. The other thing, though, um, well, how do you feel about, because one of the things, I mean, this is kind of, uh, obviously, if something happens spontaneously, this this doesn't help you, but kind of the idea of, like, mixing up your patterns. So, Well, you want to be systematically unsystematic, okay? Being a creature of habit and being systematic are two different things, okay? Like, you can always, let's say you go to church every every Sunday, for example, Uh it doesn't mean you have to take the same route to church all the time. Okay. Um, that's what I mean by that. You want to be systematically unsystematic. So people aren't going to track you, stalk you, uh, and, you know, basically being, you know, laying in wait to ambush you. But um, there are certain things that I like to do. Okay. And that's what I mean by a creature of habit. I have my places that I like to go. It doesn't mean I go to the same place every day. But I may have seven, eight places that I'm well known at, you know, and I like to go to. That doesn't mean on Monday I'm going to Joe's place. On Tuesday I'm going to Nico's. Not necessarily, you know. Um, there's where the unsystematic part comes, all right? So no one really ever will know, is Tony stopping in today? You know, they don't know. So that's – I want to be clear about that. Yeah, that's something I, I don't normally think of as – you know, how routine we normally are. Like if you go to work at the same place every day, you probably take the same exact route, the same street at the same time you get, you arrive at the same place at the same time. I mean, that's something we should really think about, you know, mixing it up, changing the routine a little bit, changing the route. You know, that's something I really never thought of. That's something I think about. And that's something that now to a degree where I live now, I mean, I, I have only, I'm, I have limited access to get to the city within reason. I mean, it's a, it's a far ride for me now to begin with. I'm not going to make it a three hour ride. Okay. But uh, yeah. So even around here, sometimes I'll take one road, I'll take another road. There's like three different roads for five, five different ways that I can get on uh the one road that's going to take me to the highway. I have five choices and I will mix those five choices up. Okay. But once I get on the, the highway, you know, I, I can only, the exit I take is dependent on where I'm going or if I want to sightsee a little bit, but yeah, it's something everybody should think about. It's harder for Joe because he has to take that train in. Okay. There's no other, I mean, unless he wants to drive, he doesn't have any alternative and that train is going to, you know, be staying on the tracks, but Joe could sit in a different position. Um, Joe could maybe get up a little earlier, take an earlier train. Um, 
without sounding like paranoia, you know, uh, you want to make sure that nobody's casing your house. One of the dumbest things I see with people is when they're posting on, let's say, Facebook, for example. Oh, my wife and I are going to Aruba this weekend, you know. (laughs) Well, now you just let everybody in your little circle know that that house is going to be vacant, right? (laughs) There's going to be nobody there for a week or however long you're in Aruba. That's People do that, you know. Um, all the time. All the time, right? All the time. And that that's just uh, not thinking clear, you know. That's just not that's just not smart. And, and, and you know what? Uh, they have these ring, the ring cameras on the doorbells, whatever it's called. A friend of mine has one of that, one, one of those. Um, yeah, that might be okay, but, but everybody's hip to that now, too. And even if they're not hip, the robbers. Yeah, you know, do you do you still want to do you want to be robbed anyway? You know, no, you don't. Believe me. Um I've lost irreplaceable items through robbery when I wasn't home, things that were out of my control and I've never gotten over it, including a sixty nine Chevelle Supersport, robbed out of my garage in Cleveland when I was in a hospital once, when I was like nineteen or twenty. I mean, you know, I've never gotten over that. Can you imagine what that car would have been worth now? My goodness, SS three ninety six mint. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, it got stolen in, I think, 84. Uh, 83, I think it got stolen in 84. Um, yeah, that would have been, you know, it just, it, it, uh, uh. and then, of course, like I mentioned before, when I moved to Chicago, my accordion, my drums, everything else robbed when I went to the Burger King and they broke into my motel room. I mean, come on. And I've had other things burglarized in my in my house in Cleveland and, um I lost shit once in a, in a, in a motel room. Okay. Uh, so it's just another, you know, you know, in Pennsylvania of all places, when I went for a music convention, uh, it's just terrible. You know, you, you don't want to lose anything. So don't be advertising that, yeah, you're going to Aruba this weekend or, you know, for a week or two with your, with your wife or something. It's just, it's sometimes people don't think, and even, even a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of people who put down like, okay, like you're single, right? And then you'll start talking about your work. You know, you're single, uh, especially girls. I'm single. Yeah, I work at uh, such and such a place. Yeah, I, I start work at eight. I get, get off at five. <clears throat> Excuse me. You've just now told everybody that, you know, your apartment or your house, wherever you're living is vacant five days a week between, you know, probably a little bit earlier than five or eight and a little bit later than five. These are certain things that, you know, you got to kind of keep it to yourself, you know, um, and, and keep them wondering, you get my drift. Yeah. Well, actually online discipline is very important too in this day and age. And we forget about that. Like I, um, this is probably three, four years ago. I got a very weird text and they're like, Hey Joe, I'm in the neighborhood kind of thing. And it was all vague. And they weren't, or they, I can't remember exactly. This was, I should have saved, honestly. I should have taken a picture of how it played out because I'm convinced it was all fake, but they basically, inter, they knew enough about me from my like Facebook profile, like where I went to high school, little things like that. They knew where I lived. And so, you know, it, it was like they had vague details, but then they were wrong about certain things. And I was being vague and responding to them. Um, but it was just like, wow, this, I, I've never confirmed that that's what happened, but I realized, you know, a lot, most people, they have their birth, like if you look on Facebook, 
it'll be like, hey, say happy birthday to what's-his-face because today is his birthday. Well, that's another piece of information, personal inf- identification that's you're just publishing out there, you know? Uh, so I definitely be aware of, you know, there's all these different social medias. It's like, how do you lock that down? What's the minimum that can be out there? Because I think, uh, I mean, it's a great tool for sharing information, but yeah, it's just like anything. You're giving away stuff that can be used against you. Well, the birthday thing. Yeah. That, okay. Let's discuss that. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm glad, I'm very glad you brought that up because, um, you know, that can be used as a, uh, method of identification, you know, um, to you know, enter your email or even, you know, more like banking information and so on. But there's enough people that without Facebook, you know, would know your birthday, right. Or would know mine or Nico's because, you know, you're amongst, you're amongst friends, but your friends can be, it, it's like, it's the law of multiplication. Now your friends may say to, to their friends that don't know you. Yeah. It's my buddy Joe's birthday this weekend. You know, I'm going to go hook up with him. And who are these friends that they just mentioned this to? And can they be trusted? Or what if it's an ex that wants to, you know, mess with you now or something like that? Um, we can't completely uh, cloister. There's going to be some information that's going to get out. And it's up to you to determine your life and, and how you have things set up. So, for example, um, people may know my birthday, but they're not going to get any personal information from any of my institutions because I've set up security with my bank and with other things, you know, where just knowing even my, um, cause I was a victim of identity theft. Okay. And it was, it was atrocious. It was a terrible thing. And I've, I've learned from that to really lock my stuff down as best I can. Um, and even so, even with that, you don't know. Look at these data breaches that have been talked about in the in the in the media. It's it's really terrible. Um, I was told now, don't quote me on this, but years and years and years and years ago, when they decided to start this social security number thing, that was never supposed to be allowed to be used as a way to identify you. And now you have to give your social security number damn near any you know governmental or banking institution. Um, you know, I, I was almost thinking of having to change my social security number back then because that, you know, it, it was bad, this ID theft that I had, you know, um, so bad that, you know, I actually went to my bank when it happened, they wiped me out, wiped out everything. And, uh, I put a password on and it was a holiday weekend. I'll never forget it. I think it was Memorial day. It was either Memorial day weekend or labor day weekend. And I think it was Memorial day weekend. And so that, uh, that Tuesday, because this happened on a Friday, so that, that Tuesday or something, I go to check because um, Kevin gave me $100 to put in my bank account because I had no money to my name. They took my life savings, everything. Um, and I couldn't get back into my bank again, even though I went to the bank in person on that Friday and set up a new password and everything else. They were able to convince the bank over the weekend, apparently, because they called in and they got the password. I mean, it, it, so I had no faith in that bank and then to this day I bank with them, but I don't keep anything in it, you know, like, you know, 50 bucks or something like that, whatever, because it's, 
yeah, it, it was just a, it was a frustrating thing. And, um, you know, a few years ago, <clears throat> I got hacked with PayPal and they wiped out my PayPal. I think I told you this, some, some Apple store and blah, blah, blah. I bought all this computer shit and everything else, which I've never owned Apple in my life. I've never been to an Apple store and long story short, you know, I was dealing with, there was a runaround with the police. I, I was getting pointed in different directions. You got to report it to where you live. So I came home. I had guys in town training in California. We had to come straight back to, to my house. I had to talk to a sheriff. Then he's like, I can't help you. You got to, you got to report this to, you know, to, to, to where the Apple store was, which I think was in Oak Brook, you know, and believe it or not, the Apple store wasn't cooperating. And I eventually talked to the police over there and I, I told the, was a police a lady officer. And I said, look, I'll, you get this guy. I'll cooperate. I'll go to court. I'll do anything. I don't care. I'm, you know, let's nail this guy. And, you know, apparently I guess she called me once from since subsequently, I did get my money back from PayPal, but uh, I don't know if they, they had a video of the guy. They said they knew who he was, but they never called me to go to court or anything. So I'm wondering if this guy got a slap on the wrist or what? So, you know, um, you just got to be careful, you know, you just, but you're, what, what happened with you may or may not have been a scam. It, it could have been somebody that knew you, who knows, but what did they want ultimately from you? You know, I can't even remember because, you know, kind of my intuition went off earlier that like they were, you know, I kind of shut it down pretty quickly, but they had some general facts about me that like they knew kind of generally the town I lived in. They knew where I went to high school, you know, they're like, Hey, do you remember me from, you know, blah, blah, blah tech, you know? And they're like, huh? No. Who did you, you know, what, you know, and they're kind of like, basically it's kind of what I think happened to your bank is what they call social engineering where they're trying to get information out of you. Right. Like they're, it just, I just felt like I was like fishing or whatever. They were just trying to get some information out of me. I don't remember. Um, but ultimately none of the, nothing added up very quickly. It just felt, it just felt weird and out of the blue. And, um, you know, and it, it, like I said, it just raised alarms for me saying, gosh, where could they have figured this out about me? They knew, they knew enough. They had my phone number. They had my name. They had where I went to high school, you know, like it was like enough big pieces they put together and then they targeted me. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know where it was going, you know, but I shut it down pretty, like I said, I, once I realized, huh, I don't know this person's name. Cause the thing is when I talk about, Oh, I knew you in high school. How many people have you forgotten from high school? You know, I maybe remember a handful of people's names and, um, but yeah, just because they couldn't get more specific. I was like, Oh, this, this, something's off with this. You know, they don't really know me. Um, so, and yeah, so I never went anywhere, but it was always like, Oh, I better, I better be careful here. You know, like you said, it can happen to anybody. And then the thing with the internet is literally there's no safe place, you know? I mean, maybe if you're in the Pentagon or something like that, but I mean, online security, like you talk about being ripped off. I mean, we forget, we, we talk about physical security, but part of your self-defense is your online self-defense, right? Yes. Yes. And um, I mean, you'd, you'd be surprised how many, now some of these are older people I talk to, not elderly, but like, you know, middle-aged guys who are not necessarily technical. Uh, they've never changed their email password that is like, that's, that's the keys to the kingdom because every time you want to reset your bank thing or whatever, they send stuff to your email, right? So if I can crack your, your, your uh, email password, you know, and there's simple things. Yeah. Every, you know, like your, or your, obviously your bank websites, 
And a real key thing is obviously make those passwords long. They don't have to be super like impossible to remember because obviously if you make it impossible to remember, you're going to write it down somewhere and someone could find that. But, you know, I've heard real little tricks like take the title of a book and maybe change a word or two so it doesn't make any sense. But as long as it's long, you know, um, and put in some letters or numbers, but nothing crazy so that you have to constantly look. So it's, 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 it's like anything. It's like balancing convenience with security. But man, every three to six months, change your email and bank passwords and make them long enough. There's, um, there's a website out there, actually. Um, it's, it's, a good, it's a good mental exercise to go through, but it's like, uh, how secure is my password or something to that effect? But you can take a, a, like, a, uh, like a hypothetical password you might use and type it in and say, how long would it take a computer to crack this? And it'll say, oh, this only takes, you know, if, if, if your company or the email company has been hacked and they have the password file, how long would it take them to crack the, my password, you know? And it'll show you, oh, they'll get this in six hours or they'll get this in 12 days or whatever. And so you'd be surprised once you go past like, a, I don't know, like 12 characters or 16 characters, like a sentence, all of a sudden, okay, it, it, it takes a thousand years for, you know, current computers to crack it. So you can kind of using sample passwords, get an idea of what you need to do to make it theoretically impossible for someone to at least use a, a, you know, a hacker program to get in. I mean, I'm getting kind of technical here, but I think it's good. Uh, password discipline is very important. I mean, I know people who don't even lock their phones. They don't have a password on their phone. So if I drop my phone, again, that's the keys to the kingdom, right? I probably have my email on it. I have all kinds of, you know, apps that I've loaded, maybe bank apps. You've got to have, you know, your, all those things locked up, you know, uh, absolutely. I mean, I never walk away from my computer without locking my screen. That's just a habit from work. But I mean, I don't know how many times you can walk into someone's house and their, their laptop's just open, you know, or, or whatever, or their, their thing. And then boom, again, they're into everything. Um, so anyways, that's kind of my rant on IT security is part of your, your self-defense. Absolutely. Oh yeah. You're, you're totally correct. I mean, it's all, yeah, passwords. Uh, I take it even uh, a little bit. I don't have banking apps on my phone. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't do it. Um, I just don't want to. And that's just my, my, uh, I don't have PayPal on my phone. I don't have, you know, uh, anything on my phone like that. I mean, I just, I do have my uh, email on my phone, but um you know, I don't, uh, I mean, I, but I do, I, I have a password that would be, you know, pretty much next to impossible. Um, the only, only way that somebody would break in is if they have a personal vendetta on me. Okay. And they would, they would take the months it would take to get it. But um, if it's just a hacker, they're looking for the quickest way to get into somebody's, you know, account. They don't, they're not doing, you know, doing it personally. You know, they're not like gunning for Joe Cardinal. They're just, oh, okay, he's a random guy. Oh, this is simple enough. We're in. Now what, what kind of looting can we do here? You know, but uh, there's, there's so much to self-defense that goes far beyond the physical. And you're correct, and Nico's correct when Nico was talking about intuition, you know, and having that gut feeling. And it's better to err on the side of, you know, be caution than to be reckless and get yourself in a bad situation. 
And Nico said, you know, get out of Dodge. And if that's, you know, if you can, I guess do it. You know, if you, if you, if you have to stay to defend someone else, then, then you got to stay and defend. But, um, yeah, it's just, I've, I don't want to get into anything too personal in my life about people, but I've had people that I quote unquote trust, you know, go through my phone and shit like that. You know, um, no, you don't, you don't do that. There's, you know, the, yeah, you're right. You got to lock it up. You got to put passcodes or you know whatever they call it on there, you know, lock screens. What do you think, Nick? Yeah, I, th- I think it's, it's, it's like the predator mindset. Uh, the predator is going to look for the weakest link, the uh, basically the, the easiest target and they're going to exploit that. So I think it has to do with, you know, making yourself as hard of, of as possible of a target physically and online and whatever, because like you said, the predator, the person that wants to commit the crime, he doesn't want to do the most work to get it. He's going to try to find the, the weakest link. So I think that's, you know, part of the self-defense is make yourself and your online access the most difficult for people to break in and access. Well, think about this. Nowadays, you don't even, in many instances, uh, the, the, the institution that you're dealing with doesn't even ask you for your social security number. They ask you for the last four digits of your social security yeah. number. Now that makes it even easier for someone to, to get information. Right. And um, it's it, who's the person on the other end that's that you're talking to uh, who's, who's now have, who has access to all your, let's say your credit card info or your, your banking information. Do, who is this person? Who is this customer service rep? You don't know who this person is. You don't even know where this person's probably located, right? So now here's a random person who, who may have access, you know, to, um, to sensitive information. I remember years ago, not that many years ago, but let's say, well, maybe 10 years ago or something, there was one, there was a blockbuster video not far from where I lived. And uh, somebody was over they wanted to watch a movie. Okay, let's go. We'll go to Blockbuster. And I guess I didn't have a card anymore or it expired or something. And it was just a young kid. And, you know, and part of it was like he wanted my social security number. I said, I'm not going to. This was like just shortly after I had the ID theft and everything. I'm like, sorry, kid. I'm not going to give you my, my social security number. No way. Blockbuster does not need to know my social security number. And you certainly don't need to know my social security number. It's not going to happen. Okay. So whoever I was with, I forgot a, probably some, some girl that I was dating or something. I said, forget it, man. We're, you know, we're no, you know, no blockbuster video for us tonight. You know, I'm not going to give out my social security number, you know, and I can remember many, many years ago, that was an option to have the social security number displayed on your driver's license. At least in the state of Ohio, it was, you could have your social security number displayed on your driver's license. Little did everybody know back then, you know, it's before internet and everything, but still. It's, you know, it's ugh, right? Hey, guys, I'm going to take a quick break. Okay. I'll be right back. Sure. But, you know, Joe, with with, uh, with what you're saying, the piggyback on – ooh, hello. To piggyback on that, um, 
yeah, you, you, you know, you, you've got to really be secure. And I'm like out of my, the old timers that know me, I'm the most computer and electronic literate. I've, I've been in electronics since I was a kid. So I kind of like that stuff. So, you know, they're always asking me for help or I look at their cell phones because, you know, they have issues with apps or this or that. It's like chaos, you know, I'm like, geez, how can, you know, or when I fix somebody's computer, it's like, oh my God. I mean, this is like a, you know, an accident waiting, waiting to happen, you know? Um, Yeah. I don't know. I I think that uh, it's, it's a shame that there, there should be like free education somehow. I don't know how we could do this, but, and even if there was, would would these people be willing to participate? That's another big thing, but you know, uh, I'm more than willing to help anybody, you know, just give me an hour of your time and I can show you how to lock up your computer and how to deal with your cell phone and, you know, anything else that I could do, you know, to help you um, make things more secure or explain it to you. But a lot of times what my friends used to do is they get their computers all screwed up. I come over there and get it all tuned up for them. And they, two months later, Tony, can you come back? Not, maybe not even two months, a month later, Tony, can you come back over? You know, and, you know, it's just, they were, they were relying on me fixing it. And I, couple times it was beyond that you know they got the virus and it's like now you've lost now now we got a serious issue oh yeah absolutely and i think i mean i often thought that now it should be honestly part of like computer at least like intro to computer science and or like how to keep your safe self safe online you know how to keep your com- computer that should be a a, a like a graduation requirement for all high school students. You know, there's just one of those, you know, do, everybody takes one semester of like what can go wrong on the, on the internet and what can you, you know, what's out there. And I think most kids in these days, just through, through um, general use know that, but I, I took a class, you know, kind of an IT class where they did that and people were shocked. They were eye opened at how many, you know, how many different ways like your credit card can get lifted, you know, things like that. But we really, it does need, that information needs to be disseminated. Like I said, I've ran into people, uh, you know, guys uh, in the engineering department that I've worked on their computers, and they start asking me questions about their home computer. Yeah. And they, it came out, oh, I've never changed my password for my email. I just, it was shocking, you know. And this, this they said, I've had this for like 15 years. And, um, and yeah, I'm sure that they, and I said, well, do you have like virus scanning software on your computer at home? Oh, no, I should probably get that, huh? Yes. Well, another trick is... Um, so when you get your home computer and you buy it, right, it usually comes with like the default account that comes on and it has full rights. It's like an admin account, right? And most people just surf around the internet with that account. Well, if you get a malicious website, boom, it has full rights. It'll download code, you know, to your, I actually like with my kids and their computers, I have, this is your admin account, the default one. And here's the one that you use day to day. It has less rights. You know, you can, you can do all your work on it and you can surf, but it doesn't have full administrator rights to your computer. And that's, that's a little bit more technically savvy, but I really feel uh, that like when people buy computers, they, they should be taken through a wizard or something to have them set that up because they have no idea that like usually the default account on your computer has full rights to everything. It can install any software. It can make any changes. Um, so if there's malicious code, it's in there. You know, it, it's in there deep. And so there, there's a lot of topics that, yeah, if someone just gets a computer, doesn't know what they're doing and starts surfing around to random sites, 
Yeah, probably very quickly, especially if they don't have a firewall, you know, on their, their home network. There's, there's just, it's, it's, it's a big topic that we're kind of getting into, but there are, there should be like, here's the top 10 things you should do at home for your computer. And I do think that like, it, it really needs to be general education. I mean, I think business owners, even small business owners should hire an outside consultant for a one day, one hour, whatever it takes, uh, little seminar for all the, all the employees, including the owners themselves, because half the time they're not all that wise. This would be very beneficial because years ago, I used to do some uh, self-defense seminars at bigger businesses, you know, um, they'd hire me and then they'd get 10, 20, how many ever employees. And I would give them a self-defense, physical self-defense course. Uh, they should do this for, uh, you know, cell phone, home, computer safety. It would be a great benefit and it wouldn't cost the business owner that much. And, you know, it would, it would, uh, if, uh, if so many businesses would do this, you know, there would be a lot less, you know, computer slash identity theft. I'm, I'm telling you. Well, you're absolutely right. And often with it information, it's just the weakest link. So there could be all these, you know, um, it's whoever's got their guard down, like maybe they have a work computer that they took home, you know, or a laptop, a work laptop, and it gets ripped off, you know, and that's not well protected. So yeah, a lot of times you're only as uh, safe as the weakest link in your chain and making sure like my work actually sends out reminders. Hey, if you get an email that, you know, uh, how to look at an email to tell if it looks like spam, is it coming from a legitimate address or does it look like something weird is in the address? Are they just sending you something to click on? I mean, so many, I get text randomly uh, that'll send me, you know, oh, this is from um, PayPal. Click here. Your account's been disabled. I mean, they definitely, those trickle in both my email and in my phone. I don't get a lot of them, but I could just see someone who's not, not really paying attention to emails coming in, could see something that they think is, you know, oh, shoot, my, you know, they'll, they'll do like generic banks, like, hey, your Citibank or your, you know, uh, MB Financial sends you something, you click here, you know, and people, that's all it takes. Um, so that, yeah, simple things. These are the tricks that people will do to uh, get access to your, uh, and, and really every, every citizen, I mean, this is kind of almost a, a part of civil defense in a lot of ways. I mean, Nico, you always talk about how like we as a country, you know, we, we, we got to be ready to be under assault. Well, uh, you know, uh, cyber attacks are now part of that game. Yep. You know? That's part of, the, part of the new age of warfare. You're going to have cyber warfare. You have bio warfare. These are things that uh, people have never experienced in the past. You know, World War One, World War Two. This is all physical uh, warfare, but now we have much, much more levels to this: cyber warfare, biological warfare, chemical warfare. Um, there's no way we could possibly be prepared for all of it, but I think everybody should mentally prepare for these types of things. Yeah, I do think it's kind of the Tony's thing is that, I mean, everybody's got their own responsibility as an individual to learn about these things. And I think we as a society should do what we can through public education because, um, yeah, I mean, this is, this is a weird day and age where literally people from Russia or China, they have access to people in their phones, you know, they can reach yes. they can send messages to people, you know, through their Facebook or whatever they, you know, if you like a page and it's, it's, it's scary how clever they are. I mean, I've, I've spent some time watching, you know, a lot of information on this and 
even just disinformation, you know, a campaign of propaganda and disinformation. You know, it used to be that they would have, you know, Tony, you talk about World War II times where they have ministries of propaganda and they would send radio signals out, you know, giving misinformation, but you still had to tune in and you had to be within radio range. But now literally, you know, someone from any part in the world can touch anyone else, you know, and con them and give them misinformation. And uh, a lot of times we propagate that in misinformation. I mean, we have a lot more responsibility as citizens, I think, to our fellow citizens to like, hey, am I forwarding something that's true or, you know, good? That's it. I don't have to tell you if, if I'm spreading what I know is BS and, uh, and all of my network of friends are spreading the BS. We don't have to force you to do anything. You're going to willingly do it if you're swallowing the BS. And I've heard this so many times from people. Oh, you know, nobody made me do this or do that. Yeah, they actually did make you do it, and you don't even realize it because you you still to this day believe stuff that isn't true. It's totally debunked. It's not true. It doesn't make any common sense, yet you believe it. So don't sit here and say that an adversary uh, didn't have a play in this. They did so subtly. It's like a con man. You, you get yeah. conned so many. Yeah, you know, that, that that's just it. There's... I've seen cons go on. My grandfather was a victim of a con once, and I saw it go down. I was upstairs looking out the window when he was getting conned. And by the time I was – I still had my Chevelle. By the time I was able to run, they, they got him in a car, and they took him to, a, to, a, to, a, to his bank. Um, by the time I was able to get into my car, get it out of the garage, get it out of the driveway, and catch up to him, uh, catch up to them, um, it was too late. I saw my grandfather walking with his head down, walking on the sidewalk, walking back home. I picked him up and man, you know, I'm like, God, he got, he got taken for $500, you know, but you're right. There's so many people that they, and I, la I don't laugh, but I, I just shake my head at these people because they're adamant. They, they flex their muscles, so to speak, like, nope, uh, the Russians had no, you know, this or that. Yeah. You don't have a clue. You've been duped because you, you're repeating things that are literally, you know, literally, literally ridiculous. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, Man, what else are you going to swallow? Like, um, I met somebody a couple of years, three, four years ago once. And I was with by myself. And then I was with my friend Scott. And we went to this place again. And that same person was there. And I, I kind of kept my mouth quiet because she was a very attractive woman, an Italian girl and all this. And Scott's eyes got, you know, real big. And, you know, she was very... <laughs> very nice and very flirty and Scott's digging it. And I just, I, I was enjoying the show because I knew where this was going to go. And within, Oh, I don't know, within 10, 15 minutes, she started in on um, the earth's flat. <laughs> We've never been to the moon. Um, you know, there are people living in the center of the uh, earth, you know, all of this crazy stuff. You know, and because uh, I fell for it too. First time I saw her, I'm like, oh, she seems nice. She's attractive, this and that. Then, then the lunacy started to come out. And I'm, you know, I'm like, wow. Um, and there's no way to talk to these people. I'm sure you've run into that, right, Nico? Oh, yeah. There's all kinds of theories. And, you know, I'm not one to discount theories until I've really researched and make up my own mind. But, uh, you know, a lot of the things that I believe people think I'm completely nuts. 
I don't believe in the flat earth theory. I don't believe in a lot of that stuff, but I think sometimes the truth is stranger than fiction. So are you one of these that believe we haven't been to the moon? That I, I really have never even looked into that. Um, I believe that, uh, I believe that our, our country has technology way beyond, way beyond what we are privy to. I think that our country does have technology for flying craft that are basically re-engineered UFOs. Hey, can you pull your mic away a little bit from your uh, mouth? A little? Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah. There you go. Um, as far as the moon, I think our country has been farther than the moon. I think we've been to Mars, probably other places that we don't know about. But I, I have no proof of that. But there's a lot of things that I, I will not discount. I won't, I won't discount a lot of theories. A lot of, if you look into every culture, there's a lot of similarities in, in the myths that they have. For example, let's take the, let's take the example of giants. Every single primitive culture has myths and stories about giants. I don't, I don't believe that – I believe, yes, they were kind of exaggerated and fabricated upon, but I don't, I don't discount that at all. I believe there was giant bones found everywhere in the world to prove this, and I think these myths come from a basis of truth. Well, I can buy that, and things get exaggerated even in the present day. You know, yeah. we, we have facts. We have absolute known facts, indisputable facts, visual evidence of facts, and yet people will uh, exaggerate. You know, like let's take baseball, for example. Mickey Mantle, one of the greatest, the greatest switch hitter to ever played a game, fastest man in baseball's history. Uh, he was a prodigious home run hitter. And for him to hit a 500-plus home, foot home run, yeah, we – They've seen it, but there's people saying he hit a home run once that went 760 feet. Okay. Uh, it didn't happen. There's, you know, that's, that's, that never happened. So I get your point. Yeah. There were, you know, sure there were giants. I mean, there's giants present now. Um, so I, I certainly can, can believe in that, but there are certain people that you will not be able to have a rational conversation with like we are having now at least i think we're rational um that their their mind is set and closed and in, entombed in layers of concrete and they're never going to change their their mind um you know but hey you know the, the there's, there's even this you go on the internet you're going to hear things about celebrities for example that passed away, you know, that there's, so there's really no chance for these guys to defend themselves or girls. And, uh, you know, what, what's the truth? I mean, anybody can write a, write a compelling story that would even make logical sense yet can be complete, completely fictitious, you know, um, like sadly I, I'm dealing with, you know, with the Alzheimer's and dementia here with my mom and she can sit there and say something to you that would be very rational yet didn't happen. Like, hey, you know, such and such came over the house yesterday. You know, right? You, you've seen it. You guys are witnesses. Yeah, you've been, you've it makes been here. question you, reality. It makes, yeah, right. It's gaslighting in a way, but that, with that, that isn't, but, you know, because she can't help herself. But so there are people out there that, that do um, tell these tales. You know, what was that thing in school, the telephones, 
story or telephone game. Oh, yeah, yeah, telephone. Right? And how about the end, by the end of the story, end of the line, a different story. So now, yeah, so yeah, I, I'm with you, Nico. I don't, like, openly discard something, but when, when you're going, like, in this person's case, I just gave you three examples of what she was saying, but then she just went on and on about just everything, okay? I don't need to get into it. But this was, you start to wonder, you know, how was she able to function day to day, you know, and, and then she was getting into personal stories about everybody in her life left her, her husband, her sons. Yeah, well, you know, this, this may be a sign of someone who has may, maybe mental illness, but at best should be, you know, observed because this, this woman was, oof, <laughs> It was more than just thinking there was giants on the earth. She was way be, that would have been that would have been the most rational thing she would have said. But um, I don't know. What about you, Joe? Well, I don't think the earth is flat either. Um, but it is it is disturbing. I still find that one hard to believe that there are actually people who believe that. But maybe there are, and it just goes to show you. I mean, how just how far you can take someone. I mean, I don't think that's some a decision you come to overnight. I think that's something that's over time. And this is kind of a, a trouble with our society because there are conspiracies that are real, right? There was Watergate, yeah. you know? And so there is, there are things not to trust with the government. Um, and unfortunately, once that trust is broken, you start to question everything. Well, gosh, is anything they're telling me true? And it, and it becomes tough to, uh, I mean, you have to really think these things through a little bit as, you know, what are they capable of lying to me about how many people would they have to keep quiet? You know, cause the one thing is a lot of these things, water guy came up, you know, a lot of these things came up. I mean, the one thing I, I take comfort in, I mean, even though it's affecting us poorly is kind of general incompetence of the human, like the government in general secrets tend to get out. You know, they, they're big conspiracies. You know, I don't think they're able to lock them down. Like they think, you know, the more people that are involved, you know, like the moon landing, how many, how many tens of thousands of people would have had to be involved and kept quiet uh, to hide that? And, and in some ways, the international community was watching, right? They weren't going to let us get away with our bullshit. You know, would the Russians let us fake that, you know? Because uh, that's a huge propaganda win for us. They would have called us out, I think. So you have to kind of think through these things, you know, like, um, you know, how many people are willing to betray our country? You know, I hear things about 9-11, about... Uh, you know, the thousands, you know, that was an inside job. And you're like, well, God, how many thousands of people would have had to have been involved, been willing to attack America? And for what reason? What risk were they taking? Does it make, I mean, some stuff, it's hard. Some stuff you're like, wow, yeah, it does look weird the way that building felt. But uh, let's think this through. Like, you you know, and so uh, sometimes when someone asks you a question, you may not, or poses a question like, well, how did this happen? This seems hard. Uh, it may take you, you may, you may uh, be surprised by it initially, but you have to stop and think a little bit. And like you said, the biggest thing is um, research it, spend time. Okay, if I don't know, let me hear both sides of this. You know, so often, like, like if you if you go on certain, uh, you know, like YouTube and you, you go down the path, like, oh, there was no Holocaust, right? They'll keep sending you more. Hey, you like videos about how the Holocaust was faked? We'll give you more videos like that. And so you get into this frame of mind where that's all you're seeing. You're not seeing the other side. Um, that's a, just a danger to guard against. You know, and I think it's, again, it goes back to the way we need to educate our populace 
uh, of, of kind of critical thinking. Right. Critical thinking. Exactly. And I, I don't mean to interrupt, but I think there is a huge lack of critical thinking in this country. And if you mentioned 9-11. I built, I built these buildings. I built high rises for, for years. I know for a fact there is no possible way that an airplane can strike one of these buildings and it could completely implode upon itself. There is absolutely no way. And the fact that American people believe that tells me that there's something wrong with, with our country. People cannot critically think. They do not have common sense. There's absolutely no way one of those buildings can get hit by a plane where it did and implode upon itself. No possible way. You have to blow up the foundations. There is no way that can happen. Absolutely no way. So the fact that the media will say this happened because of heat and it melted the beams and people buy that is unbelievable. I cannot believe that. Okay, and let's go back to Building 7, which was next to the Twin Towers. This building imploded, and it did not even get hit by an airplane. How can this happen? It, it's not physically possible. These buildings were blown up. By, by who? I don't, I, I don't know who did it, but I know for a fact those buildings could never implode upon themselves and collapse the way they did because an airplane struck it. There's absolutely no way. They are built to withstand an airplane hit. There's no way. You have to blow up the foundations. I build these for a living. I understand the way they work. There's no way that could happen. Hmm. So you have to understand, I mean, for me, when I hear that on the media, I discount everything that I hear from the media. Well, now, wait, let me just let me inter interject. It isn't just the media. The government itself, the United States government is saying that's how it happened. Exactly. Okay, so that's it's, why I discount pretty much everything. Yeah, so I critically think that, you know, to what I'm hearing. Okay, when I hear that this virus came from a bat, I mean, there's no way I'm believing that. I'm not buying that. To me, if people believe that, you need to really critically think more. Well, it's interesting because I disagree with you on the 9-11 thing. And There's no way, Joel. There's no way that building could collapse upon itself without collapsing the foundations first. Nico, is there, is there any way that no way. that could happen? There's Say it. absolutely no way. No way. Okay. No. I like the way you I said it. I won't even entertain any theory about it because I already know there's no possible way. But, I mean, something blew up those buildings, right? Exactly. Something was so, planted in there to blow up the foundations. There's no way it could, it could fall like that. So you're thinking like a lot of explosives were planted around the bases secretly. Of course. Have you ever seen a controlled demolition? Sure. This is exactly how it yes. fell. This is exactly how the building fell. You have to blow up each level at a time, starting with the bottom. And now if you listen to some of these early reports on 9-11, the firefighters are calling in and they're saying there's explosions, there's explosions. You could hear them in the background. Boom, 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 boom. This is a controlled demolition. So, but that takes some doing, right? Like it takes a, a lot this of- takes a, a massive, a massive amount of planning. Right, but also a lot of people, right? Like you can't just plant explosives on every level of a building 
it doesn't take a whole lot of people. You could have a group of 10 guys, but it takes a lot of planning. It takes, it takes somebody going in there when nobody's there. So, but yeah, I mean, cause they have round the clock uh, building that public has round the clock security. So there's a lot of people who have to be in on this, right? I mean, this is a, this would have to be a massive, massive, you know, you might only need like a team of a couple dozen guys over the course of, I don't know how many weeks or months planting explosives. I mean, you have to think about what's the alternative and how, what would it take to pull that off? I guess it would be a pretty concerted effort to keep that conspiracy to me. I guess that's where I have questions about when I try to think through what would it take? Okay. I can see that a, a, a plane traveling 800 miles an hour loaded. Well, maybe that's too fast. Maybe like 500 miles an hour. I know they sped up loaded with jet fuel because these were long distance is a pretty powerful explosive device, a lot of impact, right? So it definitely damaged those buildings, right? I mean, that's an impressive da- amount of damage if one of those, so I could see that's definitely a powerful weapon striking a building. And then what would it take to coordinate? I mean, like I said, it's a massive plan. And I just see it's hard to cover that up, hide that from some people. Because it's not something, it's not like they, they rolled up and they had one bomb. To do a controlled demolition, usually it takes a lot of planning, a lot of, you know, and this is a public space too, that there would be no witnesses, no security footage. It's, it's, it would be an impressive to me. And ultimately, why would they be doing this? So this was under George Bush's administration, right? Was he trying to, um, why would he risk, basically it's an act of treason, right? You're, you're committing Absolutely. war on the United States. So who, could, who would have the resources to cover that up? Who would be big enough to, you know, to me only the government would have the, the ability. It's very to- simple. The media controls the narrative. But I see two. Who controls the media? The media controls the narrative. But again, even even just imagine. Let's say what what narrative? So what are they trying to pitch? What's the goal? They're trying to pitch that these buildings magically imploded upon themselves because of heat from the jet fuel. What Joe? I get it. All right, I'm not getting involved, but it's going to be the referee here. What Joe is saying or asking you is, who did it? Forget the media. The media didn't, you know, pay to have these bombs planted. Joe's asking, who did? I could tell you this, who didn't do it? The people they say that did it. Okay, because they, do you know how they found out who I, they identified the terrorists that did it? According to, according to the media, they, they identified the terrorists that did this because they found their IDs amongst the rubble. Well, no one rationally thinking would believe this. See, I just thought that they, is the narrative that's pitched. No, I thought they knew who got on the flights. I mean, they have records of who gets on a flight, correct? I mean, everybody who has to buy a ticket, they know who it is. According to the media, they found these IDs. I, I had never the heard rubble. That. I mean, to me, they knew exactly. They knew everybody who was on those planes, right? They get your boarding passes. So th- that's how they know who's on there and where they're from. Uh, they know, I don't think they hid their identities, you know, and I mean, they, they were able to piece it together from, I think, standard evidence. They, I don't think they, to my, I'd never heard that they'd found any re- remains or uh, identification and all that rubble. That's impossible. I heard that as well. But again, it was, 
I saw re, uh, public officials speaking on that matter. So in that regard, once again, I cannot and will not blame the media for having a camera set up. And I believe if you want to blame anybody, if you don't believe the story, blame the human being that was saying these things. Uh, you know, don't just blame the guy who's don't kill the messenger, I guess. But again, Nico, you just said who you don't think did it. Um, and Joe's curious as to who do you think would have the power to pull it off and why would they want to pull it off? Um, and, and, and the point was, was it to, to destroy the twin towers? So the owner could get billions or was it to create a war? Uh, what was it in your thoughts? Well, I mean, if you look at what happened and then look at what happened afterwards. So 9-11 happens. What happens afterwards? The Patriot Act. Is that what you're getting the at? The Patriot Act yeah. and the War on Terror, also known as the way our country can go and uh, dissolve other countries in the Middle East and steal the oil. But right now we have more oil. Actually, we're the largest. We're starting to export oil. Like we've, we've found oil here. So, I mean, there are things. I just think it's a very risky thing. Like if I was the president, because you're assuming, I, for, to me, the scale of this would have to be all the way up to the president, right? Including all, both members of Congress, you know. I mean, if you look at like, like look, let's look at Trump for a minute. He he had a, he had a phone call to um, uh, I was going to say Romania, but it's no Ukraine, right? And he just said some things that were a little suspicious, and they were all over him. Now I don't I'm going to say one way or the other whether that was appropriate, but I'm just trying to think. Gosh, how many phone calls would you have to have to plan and coordinate this? And remember, people like there. The, the one good thing about our political system is there's people who are always out to get each other, right? It's always, we're always vying for power. So every time you do something, you have to be very careful about what you say and who you say it to. Because like I said, if you think about Trump, he, he even just said something uh, questionable on a phone call and they jumped all over him. So what type of planning, you know, would have to be hidden completely they would have to have like 100% government buy-in, both parties, no one willing to speak up, the military, everybody who witnessed this stuff. They all list willing to attack ourselves, you know? I mean, what if something went wrong and evidence came out that this was the, you know, the, um, that's a huge, huge risk. Is it worth it? I don't know if it's worth it. What have we, you know, what have we gotten out of that, you know? Um, have we gained that much wealth? To me, we've spent a bunch of money in these wars you know, um, I mean, maybe the government has a little bit more control because of the Patriot Act. Uh, maybe that's a thing. Um, seems like they could have done a different type of terrorist attack, a much less risky terrorist attack, um, and still gotten that kind of a pass. You know, that seems like a, uh, like, it goes back to kind of like, uh, if we wanted to get rid of Trump, there's an easier way to do it than to have a big like a vast conspiracy to do it. It just seems like the likelihood of us pulling that off. I mean, we couldn't even pull off the Bay of Pigs as, as the, uh, the Americans, you know, we tried to have a little insurrection there and get Cuba back and we couldn't do it. You know, look how bad we struggled to get Vietnam back, you know, and this was a third world country. It's, it takes a lot, you know, and so, I mean, maybe they are all criminal masterminds, but it's just, it's tough for me to believe that 
that big of a, of a thing could be kept, that they could pull it off that successfully. And that subsequent, I mean, how many administrations and presidents afterwards who, like, they're very willing to say how much, you know, like the current administration is trying to say, gosh, how bad was Obama, right? We keep, they keep reminding us of all the horrible things Obama did. That's part of their thing. And I'm sure like during the Democrats, they always want to tell about how horrible all the things George Bush was, but neither side is saying that, you know, oh gosh, this guy betrayed our country by attacking the Twin Towers. Like it's, it's to me, the scale of it to me is what makes it hard for me to believe. I mean, I, I think it's plausible that a large enough plane full of fuel uh, could take out a building. Um, Joe, I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to insult you in any way, but if anyone believes that these buildings can implode upon themselves from a plane hitting them. They have absolutely no knowledge of construction and, and really, really, really lack the critical thinking. I'm sorry, Joe, but I build these buildings. To me, the, to me, when I see people believing this narrative, it mind boggles me. There is absolutely no possible way that could happen. Well, that's, you know, I'm not factoring into this conversation at all, one way or the other. I do remember when it happened, as we all probably do, that that's old enough. And I was actually upset about several other things regarding it, which are really not even worth, you know, going into. But there are fake conspiracies out there, and there are real conspiracies Uh Joe, uh, Nico mentioned uh, a couple, or maybe it was Joe earlier today that mentioned a couple of them. Um, the, and, you know, so just the word conspiracy now divides people. I, I believe that there are conspiracies and there have been throughout history and there will be. I don't believe everything in the world is a conspiracy. Of course not. But um, it's it's a trigger word now for a lot of people, right? Just like masks, wearing a mask can trigger some people, right? That, yeah, I think we should all wear a mask or no, nope, no one's going to tell me to wear a mask. The, the, part of it is human nature, right? We can't all agree on things. That's why they say variety is the spice of life. Um, and I, I don't know, would the world be better if everybody thought the exact same? I, I don't know about that because think think about this for a minute. Let's just say there's a car and and now everybody wants that car that one particular car not a specific make or model but one actual car now you got everybody on planet earth seven billion people fighting over that one car uh or whatever so these are philosophical questions that i'm asking now you know i i think that we need we need these like little debates like that you two guys are are having um they're serious, though. They're not fun debates. They're not like, could the 1927 Yankees beat, you know, uh, right? Those are fun debates, right, uh, that don't really mean much. But the debate that you guys are having about 9-11, uh, there's something more to it than just the actual act of 9-11. If Nico proves his theory is, let's say Nico, his theory is 100% correct, um, then we're sitting on a time bomb. This is This can happen anywhere on planet earth again um, yes. or something worse. And it doesn't have to be the United States may not even be involved in it. It could be another country, right. That's going to do something um, to their, to their uh, constituents, to their citizens. 
and maybe it, maybe it's already happened, you know, and, and uh, you know, to a lesser degree or something. Um, you know, the, the, these are interesting things. Uh, I do know that even as far back in my, uh, that I can go with uh, World War II because of, you know, I mentioned many times my grandparents and people, um, there were dissenters during World War II. There were people that thought, um, the reasons we were in the war were, were all BS. Um, I've heard subsequently, I had a great uncle that actually fought in World War One, And there was talk about people, you know, from people about the reason we got into World War One wasn't really the, the reason and all of this. So these theories are, this is kind of part of, of, of the human nature, right? Um, not, not saying the theories are true or false, right? But they, they stem from somewhere. And people will make, in their opinion, lucid arguments uh, on, on both sides. Um, Nico's coming from a professional standpoint saying he builds these buildings and um, you know, there's no way that a plane brought him down. And then Joe's coming from a, a theoretical point of, well, I think the plane had enough fuel. Uh, and here's reasons why, you know, it would, it would, a cover up would be very difficult. Um, I wonder if we're ever going to know the truth when we're definitive for everyone to come to both sides of the table and say, okay, yep, it's been proven. I would bet my life on it that the narrative is completely false. No, no, no. I'm not saying that. I, my question is, do you think that it will, that a, a synopsis will ever be applied that both sides of the argument can finally say, ah, okay. Yep. I, we both, both of us accept this definitive proof. I don't, I don't think that'll ever happen. Well, you know they took all the steel. They took the steel from the buildings and shipped it overseas. But I think to your point. Uh, so that's basically removing evidence. Because if you look at the steel, mm -hmm. the controlled demolition, and actually there have been reports where they found thermite, which is what you use in demolition, which is what happened. Um, but like to your point, Tony, is that there will always be, I think even like – um, whether it's past history, there will always be people who have a different version or disagree with whatever the uh, official narrative is or, you know, whatever the mainstream uh, belief is about something. Um, there will always be those. Like, you can go back on history. There's, I don't think there's ever – like, you talk about World War II. Um, did FDR know that Japan was going to hit Pearl Harbor and let it happen so that he could motivate everybody to fight back? That was one of the conspiracies I heard about. And I think there's still people who, who, I don't know the, you know, the specifics of it, but it's, it's, there's interesting arguments both ways that he knew this was going to happen and that he had reports in time, uh, but he didn't let, he let basically Pearl Harbor happen. Again, uh, to me as a president, that is a big risk if that comes out. But I mean, this is kind of, a, we are kind of running out of time here. I think it's, I think it is interesting to discuss these things because I think it is important uh, to talk to, through them. Uh, and your, I think to your earlier point, Tony, yes, yeah, I think all history, to some degree, it's important to debate it and discuss it because there's new perspectives on it and information. I don't have all the information on 9-11, you know, uh, or whatever, whatever piece of history that's happened. So I think that, yes, there'll never be 100% agreement on any uh, major event I think that's just part of uh, the complexities of being human. I mean, uh, these things are not simple. 
And like there's, we haven't solved a lot of things. We're still working on them and working our way through them. So uh, I think that's, that, I think I agree with you there, Tony, or at least that's my perspective on your question. I still say Babe Ruth was the greatest baseball player of all time. That's, that's the one subject we didn't, we don't have enough time to get into today. That's something that I wanted to talk about because we're seeing baseball being played with empty stadiums. And uh, I won't even get into that today because we don't have enough time, but (laughs) I'm a Babe Ruth guy. Sorry to Ty Cobb and Willie Mays and, you know, whoever else you, I'm a Babe Ruth guy. And uh, yeah, (laughs) I feel bad for him. Actually. I'd like to talk about that one day. I really feel that if anybody got the shaft uh, from their sport, it was most certainly Babe Ruth. All the guy wanted to do was manage afterwards, after his playing career was over. He wanted to be a manager. They thought because of his lifestyle, this and that, whatever. Um, they blacklisted him from, from that. I mean, the greatest – I mean, the guy saved baseball. I mean, the guy was unbelievable, okay? He literally saved baseball, reinvented baseball after the Black Sox scandal. Uh, but, well, in these last closing minutes, I guess we should say that uh, this is very interesting conversations today. I had no idea we were going to touch on 9-11, you know. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's people who have passionate feelings about a, a, a lot of things. I just wish that we could all all do a little bit of a timeout now and then and, and just – argue about what would you rather have on a nice sun, sunny summer day, you know, apple pie or peach pie or cherry cobbler, you know, go back at, for a minute, just into a simpler time. But right now I think many of us are consumed by, you know, what's happening to us. And, and, and so much seems to be out of control, you know, like I'm no longer able to, you know, to teach right now because of, call it the government, but also people, um, you know, it used to be, you only had to worry about pleasing your boss. Well, there's a lot of businesses now that cannot open or will never open again because of what happened here. And it wasn't their boss's fault. You know, the boss didn't go bankrupt. The boss didn't sell the business. The boss was forced out of business for nothing that they did wrong. And I just, I feel bad for people like that, myself, who, who are permanently affected. And, um, you know, my thoughts are like, how am I going to get out of this hole? How am I going to move forward? Right? And uh, this is where we see what Americans should be made of. This is where we'll see compassion and helping hands and support. And, um, not sure I'm seeing a lot of that. Not from where I'm sitting. Maybe in other parts of the country, but I mean, you guys are working, so it's a little bit different for you two guys. You're still gainfully employed and everything. I'm not, and I know other people who, like I told you, Joe, Nico doesn't know this, but my friend, you know, decided to close down her business because she was forced to close for a second time Thursday, and she said, that's it. After so many years, her mom owned the place and everything, that's it. Unless things miraculously change, the place will never be open again. And a lot of people that I used to go see and enjoy and hang out and memories of the place are all going to be gone now. I'll never be able to see these people again. I won't be able to walk in there and remember that, oh, this happened over there in the corner and think about all the good times, right? Um, and I know several other places that have permanently closed. And uh, that's that's a tragedy. And I feel for everyone who's 
who's going through this, you know, that, that have, that have lost their business, you know, as a small business owner, you know, self-employed guy, my, my, basically my whole adult life. I've never wanted to see a business go under for any other reason, any reason, unless, you know, they were corrupt or did something criminal. I never wanted to see anybody go out of business and I would never harm anybody to go out of business. You know, I try as best I can to support small businesses um, when it's, when I can, you know, sometimes you just can't, you know, you got to go to Home Depot or something, but this is where really troubles me. How many people are, you know, and now they're, we're, we're at an age where we, we may not find work, you know? Well, I wish you guys the best. Uh, we'll, we'll hook up next week. Nico, uh, what's your, you know, you're going to be moving shortly, but you don't know exactly when, huh? No, I'm, I'm putting my house up on the market. So we'll see what happens. Well, good luck, man. You know, so if any of the listeners are out there and are looking for a house, we have one for sale. <laughs> Let's disclose that information, Joel. (laughs) (laughs) Well, guys, I want to thank you again, and I look forward to seeing you next week. And, uh, you know, um, hopefully we we have good news across the board next week, right? Maybe maybe there'll be a turnaround and we'll get a bunch of great news. Uh, Let's just wait and see. So I guess we'll say goodbye. Right? See you guys. All right. All right. Talk to you guys See later. You guys. All right. Bye.